Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. gets a launch date for Champions League fans, our thoughts on SiriusXM FC's soccer coverage, step-by-step instructions on how to get ESPN's multicast working, plus we have letters from you, the listeners, in our mailbag section. My name is Christopher Harris, a.k.a. The Gaffer, joined alongside my co-host Kartik Krishnayar. Kartik, this should be a fun episode. This is uh, going, to, going to be a special episode focused primarily on uh, ranking the best soccer TV networks. Uh, we've done this in the past before, I think uh, probably on this podcast as well as on the website uh, worldsoccertalk.com. But this is an updated list. This is updated uh, based on our current feeling on how these broadcasters are doing. And this is primarily, well, this is actually only focused on television. So it's not streaming. We're not talking about Peacock or CBS All Access or those types of things. It's focused on the television coverage. Uh, So having said that, um, what was your thinking before you went ahead and went into this list? Did you have uh, any preconceived notions or or did you go in kind of with a a clean state of mind and and try to analyze these uh, ideally? Yeah, I, I think um, because we're talking specifically about television and the amount of television coverage devoted, it, it leans towards certain networks, right? And I, and I think to me that that's a uh, that that that's uh, um, something that maybe is very different than if you're talking about TV and streaming. Because if you're talking about TV and streaming, I think your list ends up being a little. My list, at least, will end up being very different. Yeah, in, in future episodes, we'll probably do um, an episode focused on streaming itself, um, which is it, it is it's related, but in this case, it's not. So I think as we go on, it's uh, the TV and streaming side is so interlinked. Um, but right now, at least for television, while we still have television as a, a primary method of uh, distributing soccer matches, 
uh, for the most part, uh, we're going to focus in on that. So, so what the way we did it, uh, both Kartik and I did this independently, separately. So Kartik put together his list of uh, his top eight. I did the same. Um, they're not the same in terms of the results, but we did score each of them and then combine them together into a final eight. So, um, and actually a little bit later in the episode too, we've got a whole bunch of news and, and uh, listener mailbag and other things we'll get to. But let's kick off uh, by focusing on our top eight. And at number eight is Goal TV. Now, Kantik, uh, I think for each of these, we can talk about pros and cons. Uh, the pros to me, Goal TV still does a decent job at uh, televising soccer matches. They, they, I mean, it's a twenty four seven soccer channel. It's often, oftentimes, it's one that uh, a lot of soccer fans may not watch or may forget about. But uh, they put on the Portuguese league, the Ecuadorian league, the Uruguayan league, uh, etc. So that's on the positive side. They're still going. They're still providing a, a vital source of soccer matches. Uh, for me, the con would be, or, or the negative about uh, Goal TV's coverage, is that the English language uh, comment- commentaries are really poor, uh, really, really not well done, not very professional. Uh, if I was in charge of Goal TV in Miami, I would go ahead and hire um, some better talent to, to provide the commentary on the English language side because it's not their first language uh, and it comes off as... I mean, I mean I'm mean, i sure most of the viewers are, are Spanish language viewers watching Gold TV in Espanol, but on the English language side, a lot of room for improvement. But uh, but they're, they're, they're still alive, can't they? This, is, this has been a channel for years and years and years uh, that was going to go out of business, right? That was, that was, that was the rumor for many, many years. Yeah, lots of speculation about what was going to happen to the Gold TV for years and years and years. They're still with us. They're not on most cable systems. A lot of people don't recognize that they have the channel, but there are other uh, other uh, folks that who do who do rely on them for certain leagues. So uh, they are still very much active here, and they still have Gold TV operations in in other countries in the Americas, which. Uh, is uh, something we, we sometimes forget when we talk about uh, every single one of these channels uh, that we're talking about, with the exception of Telemundo, has some sort of, um, although Telemundo via NBC, I guess what, um, has some sort of link to, uh, to channels or media properties in other countries. And Gold TV, uh, very much the U.S. market was just one of many markets they, they went into. But uh, they came in at the right time and acquired a ton of rights at one point uh, in this country and have uh, gradually seen that wither away as well as their, their presence on, uh, on cable systems. All right, so we're doing our countdown of the top eight soccer networks on U.S. television currently. And coming in at number seven is Fox Sports. Kartik, how about you? Uh, go ahead and, and give some of the pros and cons and, and, and uh, why you believe that uh, Fox is, ha- has a lower ranking than, than some people might uh, imagine. Yeah, because their uh, their coverage is is quite sporadic now. They're out of the the club business outside of MLS. They uh, don't do a particularly thorough job of producing their content. And this is unfortunate because I think we bash Fox, and there's there's been this stereotype that that this show and this website, our website, bashes Fox uh, constantly. But I, I would say there was a period from about twenty. 15, maybe from that summer when they had the Gold Cup and they picked up 
the rights to the Bundesliga till about uh, 2017 when they, uh, they, they learned they lost the Champions League rights to, to Turner. In that period, I think we saw some massive improvements from Fox. And in between, in that period, they, they also broadcast the Copa America in 2016, and they were gearing up towards the 2018 World Cup. 2015 Women's World Cup, actually. That's when it started. Um, so I, I, I think that maybe we have a reputation for bashing Fox a lot, but what we've seen since 2017, I think, is, okay, let's get to the 2018 World Cup, and then we'll begin to mail things in. And I think their, their coverage of the 2019 Women's World Cup was worse than their coverage of the 2015 Women's World Cup. I also think that they were very, um, they, they, on the commentator side, uh, they've lost people. They still have, in John Strong and Stu Holden, a, a, a good team, a good lead commentary team. But beyond that, it, it's a scattergun approach. And uh, they mailed it in at the end of the Bundesliga season last season. After the restart, we didn't get any uh, commentary from uh, the, the people we had actually liked it doing Fox broadcasts for the Bundesliga. Keith Costigan, uh, Warren Barton, and others. You no enjoy. studio show. No Ian right. Joy. Right. Uh, and Ian Joy, we've, we've, uh, thankfully, has, has moved on. And we get to see him on our, on our televisions and on streaming elsewhere. But uh, they effectively... They have uh, uh, mailed it in. So that's why I, I rated them very lowly, and obviously you didn't rate them very highly either. That's why they come in at seven. Yeah, you ranked them uh, dead last, uh, eight out of eight. I ranked them at number seven. I had Gold TV as, as my eighth uh, network. But uh, with, with Fox, I mean, there are positives. So, so with Fox Sports, I would give them credit definitely for some of their uh, hires. So, and, and this may be on even on a independent contractor or kind of a part-time basis. But when they bring in a JP Della Camera, uh, when they bring in a Ali Wagner as a co-commentator, when they bring in Derek Ray, uh, from time to time, they make some some good moves as far as that side. I, I think in many ways, I mean, you mentioned about the Women's World Cup and the, the last Women's World Cup wasn't as good as the, the, the 2015 one. But overall, I would say that Fox's coverage of the women, the U.S. women's national team, uh, is pretty decent um, on the U.S. men's national side. I think it's it's a lot weaker. Uh, I, I like John Strong. I like Stu Holden. Um, I just think that they are hesitant to be critical. It, 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 and this has been going on for a long time. When it, when the U.S. is performing poorly in a game or lacking creativity or lacking imagination, uh, Stu Holden especially um, goes quiet. He, he's not really providing any real tactical awareness or c- criticism that, say, a, a Taylor Twelman would, where Taylor would probably let, let fly and say, okay, this is how I feel, this is ridiculous, the way they're, they're playing. Yes, this team is improving. Yes, this team has a long way to go. But um, but that that's my, my take on, on the U.S. men's side. On the club side, Kartik, you're right. I mean, they're, they're pretty much out of, the, out of the game, except for Major League Soccer and Really, it seems the only reason, the, the biggest reason that they want MLS and continue to want MLS is because those rights are tied with the U.S. women's national team and the U.S. men's national team. Now, if those were split and Major League Soccer uh, sold their rights on a separate basis, I'm not so sure that Fox would be so gung-ho about Major League Soccer. Um, I mean, hopefully they would, but I'm not so sure. But um, yeah, overall, I think it's um, it's one of those things. It's, it's a strange Watching Fox Soccer or Fox Sports these days, FS1, FS2, 
is a strange experience because we know, you and I know, how much of a impact Fox Sports had on soccer and the growth of soccer in this country for a long, long time in the 1990s, the early 2000s, uh, and beyond. And now it's it's really it is it's filler. It's one of those things that um, from time to time they'll have more games on. So U.S. Women's National Team. Uh, they had a game on this week on, on television. They've got the rights to the Club World Cup, which is a FIFA property, which they are contracted to show. They have to show that. That's part of the um, the FIFA Men's World Cup rights um, that they have as far as a package. But also they're showing um, the uh, She Believes Cup. So they've got every single game of the – what? They've got every single U.S. Women's National Team game from the She Believes Cup uh, next month. So for they, they seem to be really focused on tournaments, uh, other than Major League Soccer for the most part. But uh, but yeah, so there you go. So Fox Sports um, in at number seven, straight in at number six is Telemundo, and Telemundo's come a long way, I think, in terms of for a lot of us, the English language viewers who tune in to watch Spanish language television from time to time to watch matches. Uh, Telemundo has even had uh, coverage um, of Premier League matches that's relatively new in the last few years. Uh, the production level is really strong. Andres Cantor, of course, is a legend, one of the best uh, commentators in the game. Uh, Juan Pablo Angel and many others in terms of um, Manuel, Manuel Sol, in terms of the, the talent that they have, are very well educated and uh, very articulate in terms of uh, the analysis that they gave the game. Uh, as far as a con, I, it, I I guess I would like like to see more coverage from Telemundo. I'd like to see other than just uh, Chivas home games from Liga MX. It'd be great to see more soccer coverage from Telemundo, and I'm sure that's something that they're working on. Uh, Copa America is coming up uh, this summer. I'm sure they're interested. Well, I, I know that they're interested in the, in those rights, but I'd like to see more. But uh, for me, that was. Um, where did I rate it, Kartik? I rated it actually number six was my uh, rating for Telemundo. And and you also said number six. And overall, in our overall rankings combined, uh, it comes in at number six. What are your thoughts about Telemundo? Yeah, I, I think Telemundo has uh, – what they've done is actually kind of interesting because they've, they've focused on uh, big events and on summer events that has allowed them to boost their uh, their ratings – on the on the sports side to where they're actually uh, getting more viewers than Univision overall, which is is actually kind of shocking. But it's because they've had they they acquired the World Cup rights. They've had uh, uh, Copa America in 2019. They want to acquire 2021. So they've uh, 2017. They had the um, uh, the Confederations Cup, which Mexico played in. So they they have strategically used uh, their uh, the, the summers and their summer and the summer calendar and summer tournaments to generate viewership. And as you said, they they show uh, the occasional Premier League match, uh, generally like one match a week. Uh, this this all having been said, uh, there is a uh, a a void of soccer coverage on Telemundo, which is why I rank them so low. Uh, I think that they have, as you said, the Manuel Souls and the Andres Contour, the legend of all legends of, of American broadcasters of the sport. But uh, it's sporadic. Their coverage of football, of soccer, uh, they, uh, their sister uh, networks in the NBC uh, family, NBC Universal family, do, do a far better job in terms of uh, 
consistent penetration, and then obviously the rival networks, uh, Spanish language networks over at Univision, uh, in my opinion, do a far better job as well. All right, so coming up now, number five out of our top eight list, uh, and we're counting down to our number one pick. But number five is Being Sports. Now, Being Sports is a channel that gets a lot of flack. It gets a lot of criticism. Uh, some of it is not its own uh, fault. It's A lot of it is distribution issues, such as Comcast Xfinity, uh, DirecTV, Dish Network, etc. Um, at the same time, though, too, if you look at the, the amount of coverage that Being Sports gives to soccer, it's a lot. It, it is quite, quite. Uh, you, you can pick any day of the week, and usually there's games on. Now, those games could be the Turkish League, um, they could be La Liga, they could be the French League. They're not the biggest leagues from around the world by any means, but um, they have the rights uh, in terms of the coverage. It's, it's, it is inconsistent at times. Um, but once you get to know the talent, once you get to know the Thomas Rongans, the Gary Baileys, the Ray Hudsons, the Phil Shanes, the Dre Coderos, um, Eric Krakauer, uh, George Metellus, etc., etc., it's, it's a tight crew. Um, they definitely have a passion for soccer. Um, in terms of some of the negatives or some of the, um, the, the, the cons, uh, I would say that... Um, it would be it would be nice if actually they had some bigger games and and also the other thing of it is sometimes they become a little bit predictable in terms of just the way that they produce the games. Um, you're not going to get too much too many surprises uh, from time to time. You might get uh, some analysis um, in some of their the studio shows, um, but I think a lot of it. I think they've been impacted quite severely by a lot of uh, cuts, budget cuts. But they're doing the best that they can, and actually provide a really valuable service to soccer fans in the U.S. Uh, without being sports, uh, I have to wonder where some of these rights would go, and whether we'd actually have access to these uh, on on television. Yeah. So, Chris, honestly, if we were doing this uh, podcast and had done this list uh, four years ago. Maybe even three years ago, definitely four years ago, I think I have been number one on my list, even ahead of NBC at that point, uh, because I, they, they were producing better shows. They were producing better kind of opinion conversations. They were produ- they were doing a good job with their wraparound production of big matches, particularly big matches in Spain. Uh, all of that has fallen off. I, I still I think I ranked them maybe a little higher than you did uh, uh, in, in, in our individual rankings. But, yeah, they dropped off for me. I, I echo everything you've said. And a lot of it is budget cuts. A lot of it is uh, – the cuts from from cable systems, which which I, I think they're related, right? They're related issues, but they um, they still provide an important service. I completely concur with that. I think they have some really good commentators. Uh, Eric Krakauer is a guy I would I would single out as a, a guy that I think is really emerging as a uh, as an outstanding uh, a standout commentator of, of the sport in this country. But they're not where they were three or four years ago. In fact, I think when BN debuted in 2012. Right in the U.S., we were blown away by what they provided because they took a lot of the same talent that Gold TV had, but they elevated the production level, they elevated the the conversation, they had better wraparound shows, 
and they brought in uh, some some people, you know, Kay Murray, Matteo Benetti, others that we ha- we weren't as familiar with in the U- uh, in the U.S. Obviously, Matteo was, was from here, but um, hadn't been on air uh, very much. And they they had the George Metalysis and the Dre Corderos and the other uh, Phil Shane, Ray Hudson, the other people they brought over from Gold TV. So uh, yeah, I'm kind of sad as we as we have this conversation, Chris, because being at one point was was at the top for me. Now they're. Uh, they're mid table, so to speak. I mean, it's it's like a it's like a title winning side that got broken up, and uh, uh, some of the the players are still there, but uh, they are now a mid table side. They're not even qualifying for Europe. If you want to take it in a, in a league table terms, yeah. If you, if you consider the exodus uh, from being sports in the last few years, uh, they include uh, Ian Joy, uh, who is now, of course, um, with CBS as well as NYCFC, but then uh, Jeremy Jeremy St. Louis, who's at CBS, Terry Lee, who moved back to Canada, I believe, uh, Kay Murray, you mentioned, uh, Kevin Egan, who joined Fox Sports um, in, I think, Atlanta, um, and so on and so forth. I mean, Matteo Bonetti, who goes to ESPN. So uh, a lot of talent has left, and they, they, they've stuck with the ones that they have, and the ones that they have are, are good. It's just that... Um, I don't see them acquiring any major rights in in, in the near future. So uh, I think a lot of this, again, through is just trying to keep the channel afloat uh, through the next World Cup and and for being sports and for Qatar to use that channel as a showpiece to go ahead and have content and and live studio shows directly from Doha, even though that uh, in the US, being sports will not have the rights to the World Cup. I'm, I'm imagining that they're going to have a lot of uh, talent and focus on the country, the stories, uh, just because they are tied to, to the Middle East there. All right, coming in at number four on our top eight list of the uh, top uh, soccer TV networks, it is NBC Sports. And NBC Sports probably... Probably about two or three years ago, I would have put them at number one, hands down. Uh, I mean, no competition out there as good as NBC Sports. But uh, both as you and I, Kartik, have felt that uh, they've kind of really uh, taken the focus off this channel in terms of what worked so well in the beginning, which was providing really thought-provoking, intelligent analysis. So much so so that now, nowadays, in the, in the past few months... I don't. I don't. I don't look forward to, to tuning in. I, I don't make a conscious effort to say, "Okay, I have to tune in a half an hour early or an hour early to watch uh, the pregame, or uh, same time, same thing with the halftime coverage or the postmatch coverage." Uh, what I'm doing more and more of now is maybe watching uh, a Bundesliga game that's in the morning, and then as soon as that's done and the kickoff is for whatever game it is on on the Premier League. Um, I'll watch that one or I'll change my focus to that one. I'll probably actually have both games on, but I'm not really prioritizing that halftime post-match or, or pre-game analysis as I used to. Now, in terms of um, the production value, it's it's fine. It's it's It looks good. It's uh, high quality, but um, I think it's just uh, part of it to me, too, also, Kartik, is that um, it's a little bit stale. And I, and I think that the talent that they have... 
uh, while they're good. We've been watching the same people saying the same things for the most part for the last seven to eight years, and it's uh, definitely in need of, of a refresh or at least a, a change up, a different style, a different uh, method, something, because it's gotten a little bit uh, predictable, as, as has uh, been sports. What about you, Kartik? Any, any additional thoughts on NBC Sports? I would have had Dean actually as uh, number one a few years ago and, and NBC as number two. But the consensus from both of us is that NBC and BN both were at the top then and have kind of drifted uh, in the last three or four years. I actually wouldn't mind if they have the same people saying the same things because uh, then Kyle Martino would still be on the air and uh, Robbie Musto would be his old self. Now what they have, except when – Danny Higginbotham, who was a huge addition and, and has been a, a breath of fresh air, but I think as we've talked about on this show, uh, is a uh, freelancer for them and, and we probably won't have after a certain point once the MLS season kicks off, won't have on the, in the NBC studio regularly. Uh, they're, say, they're not saying the same things. It, it's, it's beyond that. They're, it's stale maybe because it's the same people, but they're saying different things and they're saying less useful things and they're saying things that are meant to, uh, to I think, wind up fans of big six clubs. They're, they're saying things that are meant to, uh, to, to, to sensationalize storylines the way uh, Sky, their now sister channel, who was not their sister channel, by the way, when they were at the top of their game. Um, it, it does in the UK. And um, it's a shame we're uh, recording this on Wednesday night, if we'd recorded it yesterday night, Lester would have been top of the table and I could have crowed a little bit and said, look, they don't talk about Lester at all in their post-game shows or pre-game shows. They, they, they talk about them as if they're an afterthought. They're just another team, and, and uh, I, I still point to the to the Leicester-Liverpool match, which Liverpool won, by the way, uh, earlier in the season when they, they spent the whole pre-game show talking about Liverpool's injuries and Van Dyke and this and that. And, yes, I know Liverpool have a ton of injuries. And that, that was before Jota got hurt. So their, their problems have really kicked in once Jota got hurt more than when Van Dyke got hurt. But... Uh, in that match, uh, Pereira was out for uh, Leicester, who I think arguably was uh, the second or third best right back in the league before he got injured last year, right? Uh, we hear about Trent Alexander-Arnold all the time, but there are other good right backs in the league. Uh, indeed, he was out, who I think is uh, arguably, other than Vardy, the most influential player on Leicester. They had a number of other guys out also, but we never heard about that. So my complaint with NBC is they've gone big six heavy and they've gone into sensational storylines. Uh, the Paul Pogba scandal of the day. And it's funny because I don't think Pongba is that scandal-driven. It's just that there's been a media narrative created about this player, this excellent player, by the way, one of the best players in the world, this media narrative that's been created by him that NBC has has bought into lock, stock, and barrel. So, uh, yeah, I, I am disappointed the way they dropped off, but but Higginbotham coming in uh, during the festive period was a, was a, was an upgrade. Uh, Rebecca Lowe is back from, from being away for a while. Um uh, maybe a little bit refreshed and uh, you know, hopefully they, they, they can uh, get back into high gear because I do, I do have to say their production value is still really high. So mm-hmm. um, I think getting the production right, Chris is actually harder than getting the uh, talent right. So what I would say about Fox, the reason I think we always rated Fox so low was that uh, they never got the production right. They they eventually got the produ- uh, They eventually got the talent right. I know everybody seems to have an opinion of Alexi Lawless, but he could be good when he's on. Yeah, I think Holden is very good. I think uh, you may not want to hear that, but 
I think Fox, the reason I have consistently scored them very lowly, low compared to other networks, is because their production levels to me are nowhere near where NBC, CBS, ESPN are. So NBC still has the high production value if they can improve their talent and their bumper programming in terms of conversations and topics, uh, they can they can storm right back up this list. Yeah, I, I disagree 100% on that, Kartik. I, I think that uh, Fox's production value, uh, it looks slick. It looks, it looks well done. Um, their weakness, really, at the end of the day, is the talent. You mean, you look at the talent that they have, which now there's hardly anyone left. It's, I think it's like Moadu and Alexia Lalas, and then Stu Holden, who they kind of take from the commentary uh, commentary booth and then put him back into halftime studio analysis. But but even beyond that, even the the, the crews that they had in the past um, in the studio, it was really lightweight, lightweight questions, lightweight uh, analysis and thoughts and, and opinions. And sometimes you you wondered if they were watching the same game. But but having said that, though, too, with, with NBC Sports for a second, I, I think one other thing about NBC Sports I've been a little bit disappointed with um, in the last couple of years, maybe, perhaps, is they haven't really grown their network in terms of adding more soccer rights. Um, they've, they've shown some of the Liga MX games, the Chivas games uh, in English or, or sometimes in Spanish um, late at night. Uh, now and again, but it would it would have been nice, or it would be nice for them to see about picking up some other rights. How, however, I don't think that they're that uh, focused on that. I still think that um, the Premier League is they're looking at that. I'm sure, and probably thinking, okay, how many more uh, subscriptions can we get to Peacock based on on um, on a, uh, renewing the deal for another three three to six years. And I, I don't think they're focused on soccer. It would be nice for them to have some additional uh, coverage that they had the rights to so they could talk about other things other than just the Premier League, um, you mean, whether it's on the weekends or, or weekdays. But uh, overall, I think NBC Sports' coverage is decent. I mean, you had them ranked um, number – what do you have them as – uh, number two, uh, number I'm sorry, number five on your top eight list. I had them ranked as number two. So I, I I still think that they have value. I still think that they, they do decent work. Um, but there's been a little bit, well, quite, actually quite a lot of disappointment in the last few years where I think they've kind of took the foot off the pedal a little bit. Yeah, and let me just reiterate what you what you said uh, is right about, it, and I, I should have mentioned that at the outset. They, one of my disappointments is that they haven't pushed on and tried to pick up more soccer rights, uh, and, and even if it were uh, uh, rights where they show a, a match a week out of some place, right? I guess but they consistently show it. I guess I guess I mean they did pick up the women's super league, uh, kind of right. So like for example, this but weekend they only show those matches when uh, the premier when there are no premier league matches or they want to bump something to peacock, right? So they show it during international breaks. So so for example, Manchester United Chelsea was the arguably the biggest match of the season in the WSL this past weekend. They didn't show it. I, I watched it on the FA Player. And, and in fact, did not watch whatever game NBC was showing at the time. Which uh, I think they I they had it, but it was on. I think it was NBCSports.com. It wasn't on the you know on the television. Right. I did watch it on NBCSports.com, but they didn't. Right, but they're not. They, but they, and they're not. They're not aggressive about advertising that, or even the, the time that they've shown Chivas games in English. It's it's just almost this afterthought. All right, so we've done the countdown now from number eight to number three. Actually, number four. I'm sorry. Like so, eight, seven, six, five, four, and coming in at number three this week is Tuduene. 
So Tudu Ene, also known as, or previously known as uh, Univision, uh, Univision Deportes, uh, is a network that is really one of the most dominant in the United States. Uh, they cover more uh, soccer matches than than almost any other network. Uh, they've got live coverage, mostly from uh, Mexican League, but uh, also, of course, they have rights to uh, the Gold Cup. They've got rights to a lot of these major tournaments. And Tudo NA, if you look at talk about, talking about production, if you look at any of the Tudo NA broadcasts, uh, it's very. I mean, the studio looks amazing. Um, they've got some good talent there. Um, there's not a lot of negative things to say about Tudo NA. I think they've done a really good job at prioritizing soccer, and of course, um, with um, rights to Club America games, um, uh, the most popular team in Mexico uh, that's on uh, U.S. television. Uh, they, they've also done a fantastic job, too, with the UEFA Champions League and have provided both Spanish language and English language viewers with a uh, another choice, another, another way of watching Champions League matches. So whether it's Barcelona against PSG, which you I mean is probably in, in the, uh, the knockout stages in, in a month or two, that'll probably be on Univision or Unamas. Uh, have a great distribution network as far as providing games and making them available, uh, oftentimes free to air or through digital, through streaming. So uh, what about you, Kartik? Any any other takeaways from uh, Tudo NA? Yeah, I, I rank them. I think I, I may have ranked them higher than you did. I, I like the fact that they show so many bumper programs and they have link programs between matches, which is something NBC has historically done quite well also. Uh, NBC, there's some clunkiness with it now, but that's uh, I, I think that's part of the transition to streaming with Peacock. It's not necessarily something that I think will always be there. But I like that I like their bumper programming. I like their commitment to soccer. I think that their uh, production values are high. Their commentary, you know, it, 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 it's uh, obviously in Spanish. It, it, it's of a certain uh, style. It's a style that may not uh, a lot of fans of, of of English football, British football, may not uh, may not appreciate as much or may not enjoy as much uh, but there's a passion there's an enthusiasm that comes through your screens so yeah i like what 2dna does uh, i know they, they have had uh, in the era of covid some cutbacks so watch this space if we do these ratings again as i said i rated them very highly i think kind of that that bumped them up uh, in our overall rating I, I might end up dropping them if these if these budget cuts are as severe as uh, they were at, at, at BN, for instance, because as I said, I would have had BN at the very top a few years ago, yeah. and now I have them near the bottom. So I, I, I have Tudo Any at number four, you have them at number two, and uh, overall combined, uh, we have them uh, ranked as number three. The, the other thing about Tudo Any too is uh, Zona Football. So if you're a fan of uh, Champions League uh, in the group stage or um, the Europa League in, in the early stages, um, that to me still is the best whip around show to really uh, bring you all the goals and all the incidents that are happening. Uh, so much so that that was so popular and so well done that uh, CBS Sports um, acquired or hired Nico Canto away from uh, Tudo Ene and away from Zona Football and had him put him on the. Um, um, the show on the Whip Around show on CBS, the Golasso show, and put him as as host. So that that's how good a, of a job that uh, Tuduene are doing when they're broadcasting soccer. All right, Kartik, we are now down to our top two. So number two, and this is close. This is really close. Number two is CBS Sports, 
And CBS Sports, I know that the, the, they are the new kid in town, so they have a fresh look. Uh, it's They have uh, new talent available. They've got uh, a lot of things that are shiny and new that really are attractive uh, to what they're providing. But to me, at the end of the day, the commitment level that they've put put into soccer uh, with the UEFA Champions League and, and also within WSL too has been extraordinary. So everything from CBS Sports HQ uh, to the CBS Sports Network and, of course, CBS All Access. But the hiring spree that they went on while other networks have been getting rid of talent and having layoffs and uh, bleacher reports, uh, giving back the rights to UEFA, saying, hey, we don't want uh, the Champions League anymore. And CBS Sports stepped in. Now, not everyone likes their type of analysis or their coverage where it is more humorous. It is more fun. It is more um, lighthearted at times. But the the talent that they have, the the Roberto Martinez's of the world, the Peter Schmeichel's of the world, uh, Michael Richards, uh, so on and so forth, Alex Scott, they've they've made a huge commitment. And I think in many ways, too, that they're on the precipice of perhaps acquiring more rights in the future or putting in some major bids for, for more rights and really growing that. Yes, most of their games are not on television, but uh, of those that are, then WSL broadcasts especially, Kartik, I've been so impressed by those, and, and those look so different than the Champions League. Yeah, and they've shown that they're able to, to, to tweak accordingly based on the league, right, and based on the competition, which I think is is really important. Um, here's uh, here's why I rank them a little lower than you did, and and I I agree with everything you said. I think still there's a there's a kind of a disappointment in how much how little they're giving you on television live. Right and how much is being pushed to streaming? Again, if we did streaming ratings, uh, which, uh, as you said, we'll do in the future, I, I, I might uh, visit this a little differently. But uh, they, they've, uh, they, they're not even giving us because of the Golasso show, which is great. But uh, they're not even giving us during the group stage a live uh, Champions League match to, to, to watch uh, on uh, on match days. So I. Uh, I took the liberty to drop them pretty far down my ratings because of that. Uh, now I agree with everything you said, and uh, I, I don't want this to my, my, the fact that my ranking dropped them from the top uh, to be some sort of indictment of of, of their uh, talent or their production. I think they're very very good. I just think since this is specifically TV and not streaming, I, I felt like uh, they are giving the, the viewer, the TV viewer, less than we got uh, on, uh, on on Turner or on Fox from that those rights and less than we got from Lifetime uh, on the NWSL side. This having been said, we'll see now that NWSL has a re- regular season. Or apparently, we'll have a regular season this season. They just had a draft, so hopefully their well, COVID situation is still what it is. But let's hope they have a more normal season. Uh, and then they, they are going into their – what they would have been their right cycle anyway for for uh, uh, for UEFA pretty soon. So maybe maybe that'll change, and maybe there'll be more bandwidth freed up on their on their television channels for soccer. All right, drum roll, please. Uh, hitting the big time in at the number one spot of the uh, top soccer TV networks in the United States currently, it's uh, ESPN, Kartik, and 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 this is something that uh, I I know you especially. Uh, love a lot of the ESPN coverage for uh, many different reasons. 
Yeah, and I will admit again, some of it is on on streaming. You know, I'm thinking when we do this these ratings about uh, wow, I, I thought that uh, uh, this weekend with uh, with Gab and and uh, and Dan Thomas and and uh, uh, Jurgen Klinsmann and all these guys on the Inter Juve match. Um, and then I remember that was actually on streaming, right? I'm thinking, okay, they did a great pregame show. They had a, just a killer halftime show because Juventus were terrible in the first half, uh, for those of you who watched that match. And then uh, sort of post-match as well. Uh, but then that was on streaming. But simultaneously, they had a game on ESPN, uh, which was with a different different set of uh, uh, of, of talent, Seb Salazar, Alejandro Moreno, and others, doing the Spanish Supercopa. I still think when ESPN shows matches on television or shows programming on television, they excel. They're, 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 they're at, at a top level. And they do give us one, Bundes, uh, one excuse me, one uh, Serie A match a week. Uh, props, I was going to mention this on the podcast uh, when, in the What We Watch section, uh, but we'll do it now. Uh, props to Matteo Benetti and Mark Donaldson, who did double duty on Sunday. They got up early in the morning. They did the Napoli-Fiorentina match, which was on linear television. There is, like, as I said, there's a Serie A match every week on linear television. Sometimes people don't notice it because Premier League's on at the same time or whatever. Um, and then they did the uh, Inter-Juve match, mm-hmm. the, the same uh, duo, later in the day on ESPN+, Plus, uh, which is uh, which was one of the biggest matches of the season to this point in Serie A. So uh, they, they still show enough matches on linear television to satisfy me, one Serie A match a week, uh, occasional Bundesliga matches. Obviously, MLS, I thought they were, um, they, they knocked it out of the park this summer with the, uh, with the, um, um, Tournament, the, right, the MLS uh, is back. MLS back, and then let's talk about the U.S. Women's National Team. We've seen a game on Fox very recently. Um, there's such a difference when ESPN shows U.S. Women's National Team game matches versus Fox. Uh, same thing with the men's national team, for that matter. But it's um, it's night and day. I mean, it's to the point where, and, I, and, and I'm going to admit this again: when U.S. games are on Fox, Fox, I watch them on 2DNA for the most part, and. I do like, uh, I, I guess you and I disagree about the production. I do like uh, Stu Holden and John Strong. And, and occasionally I'll switch because I want to hear what, what, what Holden in particular is saying. But um, in terms of uh, um, production levels and, and the studio and, and all of that stuff, ESPN gets it right for what they show. Now, we can complain that they have uh, taken the, the League Cup off of U.S. television. They've taken the FA Cup off of U.S. television. They're taking uh, most of the big Bundesliga matches off of U.S. television. Uh, they have taken uh, Serie A. They have... Uh, as I said, they have one match a week, but there's, especially as competitive as that league is this season, there's usually more than one big match a week. So they're big matches that are not on television. Uh, this all having been said, I still think uh, uh, when they show their matches on TV, and we saw it with uh, the Nations League, I thought that they did such a good job with the studio for the Nations League and, and the presentation, which, quite honestly, we don't, we don't even get from Fox in tournaments sometimes. Um, I, I have them at the top for me. Yeah, I think in many ways, I think with ESPN, uh, one of the big biggest pluses about ESPN is the variety. Uh, and, and in terms of if you have a TV subscription to ESPN or ESPN2 or ESPN News, uh, for those games that are on television, there's quite a wide variety. So you might get a, a game or two to a weekend from Serie A. You might get uh, four games a season from the Bundesliga, but then you've got the U.S. Women's National Team games. You've got Major League Soccer games. You've got the uh, Italiana Super Supercoppa. 
Uh, you've got the uh, Supercopa de España. Uh, and you go down the list, you've got uh, Copa del Rey, which is on ESPN+. Plus. But there's a wide variety of soccer. And, of course, Euro 2020 this summer, uh, as well as much more. I think in many ways, too, I, I, I would have loved to have uh, ESPN continue their coverage of the World Cup. Uh, this was, you mean, when ESPN lost the rights to Fox, that was a huge blow for, for ESPN. But I think it was also a huge, huge blow for soccer fans in the U.S. because the level of coverage that ESPN gave uh, to the World Cup, and not just the level of coverage, but just the, again, the thoughtful, intelligent discussion and analysis and, and, and the commitment levels uh, to the World Cup were extraordinary. I think we'll see that same level of commitment or pretty close to it for Euro 2020 this summer. I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing what ESPN does. Uh, even if the stadiums are going to be empty, I'm sure they're going to put a massive effort into promoting this. I would just love them to get the rights back to, to the World Cup. And right now, it looks like the earliest they'll, they'll get it, unless Fox sells them back, would be uh, World Cup uh 2030 which seems so far away and by that time who knows if uh well, I mean who knows if cable or satellite will be in even in existence by then but yeah congratulations to ESPN uh for ranking as our number one soccer tv network currently in the United States for their coverage across the board and and also uh congratulations to the others uh in that top 8 list all right, let's talk about uh, move, moving on to what we've been watching. Kartik, uh, you've talked a little bit about it, but uh, uh, anything of note that you haven't mentioned from this past week that you want to uh, kind of uh, pay, pay attention to or, or let listeners know about? Yeah, I guess uh, my favorite match uh, was the Varsa-Bilbao match. So we, we, uh, uh, we've talked about that already, right, in, in ESPN in the, in the Supercopa. Uh, yeah, I, I, I thought that there was a, there was a really, uh, really, really good presentation from ESPN. And this, again, uh, La Liga, they're stuck on BN. And, uh, and I've just gone through praising what BN's coverage used to be like and, and said it's dropped off, but I still like uh, facets of what they do. But again... This match on a Sunday afternoon at whatever time it was, 3 p.m. or so, Eastern time, reminded me the the ability La Liga, because it's Barcelona and it's Messi, and they're only this might be it for Messi at Barcelona, the, the, the kind of blown opportunity cost for La Liga of staying on, on BN. Can you imagine if there was a uh, La Liga match uh, with Barcelona at that time a few years ago that ESPN put out on its main channel? Exactly. Sunday afternoon. Right, right, exactly. Um, my match of the week was uh, Juventus against Napoli in the um, Supercoppa oh, yeah. Italiana yeah. on Wednesday. And uh, Napoli, I mean, had a penalty uh, and should have got the goal back, but they, they didn't. And uh, Juventus go on to, to win this one. And, of course, Weston McKenney playing a, a key role in this match. Kartik, looking at this weekend in terms of recommendations of what to watch, for me, it is the FA Cup. The FA Cup is back on um, this Friday, actually, starting Friday. And that Friday game is my recommendation for the match to watch. It is Chorley Town against Wolves. So against Wolverhampton Wanderers and Chorley Town from Lancashire in the sixth tier of English League football. And uh, they were going up against Wolves at home. Uh, from Chorley, which is a really quaint little ground. And, uh, 
even though you mean Wolves are probably going to win this one, I'm going to tune in and hope that the coverage is just as good as it was for the the match we watched between uh, Marine FC and, and Tottenham Hotspur. What about you? What's your uh, match to watch this weekend? Well, don't sleep on Charlie Town in that match. Wolves Wolves are really poor right now. They're not. They they don't even look to me like a Premier League club. Um, that's because they have a lot of injuries and Nuno. He's we've said such brilliant. He's been done such a brilliant job with that club. But he likes small squads. So now it's really coming back to bite them. So if there were ever a chance to upset a Premier League club, this might be it. And it also might benefit Wolves just to get get out of this competition. Uh, same time. Friday, I, I'm going to be watching. Uh, I'm going to keep an eye on that FA Cup match, but uh, the match to watch for me is uh, is Mönchengladbach and Dortmund. One of these two teams will not make Champions League this next season. Maybe both won't make Champions League. I think that this is a really um, uh, important match for both sides. Dortmund, uh, it seemed like maybe they were getting back into uh, getting back to life, and then they uh, they dropped points against Mainz, who have uh, who were foot of the table and they and they uh lose to Leverkusen who had been struggling of late uh, but in that Leverkusen game Leverkusen looked uh looked pretty uh pr- pretty rampant and and quite honestly looked like they were going to score a couple more goals so I, I think that this is a high time for both sides uh, Mucci and Gladbach have been inconsistent in the league we know uh, in Europe uh, they were wildly inconsistent but they got through the group uh, of debt so give them credit for that uh, but then they beat uh, they beat Bayern uh, uh, two Fridays ago. Can they push on from that and and make a run at getting back into a Champions League spot? We'll see. Uh, so that's my match of the week. All right, let's move now, on. Had that having been said, I'm sure, Chris, there will be a Serie A match that stands out, and I'm going to say next week on this podcast I should have picked whichever Serie A match. Uh, to me, the Serie A is, is pulling away, in my mind now, is the best league this season, at least uh, in terms of what's holding my interest, what's really compelling me week in and week out. Yeah, absolutely. With the Premier League, it is one of those things where it's, um, again, topsy-turvy in terms of the clubs that are going top of the table, whether it's Leicester, Man City, Liverpool, etc. Man United, of course, and and it is uh, flip-flopping all over the place. But the the actual quality of the football, uh, we saw that last weekend with Man United against Liverpool as one prime example. Uh, it's it's not good. It's it's very uh, tight games, not very attractive, not very creative. Uh, even now and again, it is when it's against uh, maybe a lesser opposition, but uh, it is a very tough physical league, and um, the, the, none of these clubs are kind of letting fly and opening up and playing open, open, expansive football. Uh, and, and actually, we're, we're seeing a little bit of that in Serie A, m- more so than, you mean, which has the stereotype of being kind of close-minded and very defensive and very compact and tight. But Serie A is the league that we're seeing where it is very much more open-ended football. Yeah, I, I never really expected this weekend to see uh, Conte be able to play with his fullbacks, uh, one of which is Ashley Young, who's like 36 now, or almost 36, all, all the way up the pitch and really kind of dictate play. And, and uh, you, you, you think that in these matches, especially Conte is very dour and, and, and the style, but uh, the Serie A in general is, is just more open now. And, and, and defenders playing higher up the pitch, uh, midfielders pressing higher. So... Um, 
yeah, no, nothing is this, – this is just a so, – sorry for this aside, Chris, but this is just a, something to our listeners. Nothing is ever static in terms of leagues and styles of plays around leagues and what leagues are the best leagues. I mean things are constantly changing, and I think in the last uh, four or five seasons I could make the case that one year the Premier League was the best to watch, one year the Bundesliga was the best to watch, one year La Liga was, and, and now I, I, I think this season it's, uh, it's Serie A. Yeah, which makes it uh, which makes watching soccer so interesting, especially when it's from around the world. You can pick and choose different leagues, different teams, and uh, really kind of. Uh you mean one weekend try the FA Cup and kind of focus in on that and then the following weekend it can be the Bundesliga or some weeks you can actually combine them all into one so so moving on to our TV streaming news uh, section and this is uh, very applicable but um, we've talked in the last few podcasts about ESPN Plus's multicast which multicast is uh, similar to what uh, ESPN3 had what they called mosaic uh, NBCSports.com in the past has had it to where it's a grid. You can watch uh, more than one match at once. But ESPN Plus and Multicast have taken it to a whole new level, and it's available on Apple TV Plus and Xbox One. I've gone ahead, as promised, and put together a how-to video that goes into a lot of detail. So whether you have ESPN Plus and Apple TV, or even if you don't have it, it's a great step-by-step and shows you actually how it works. Uh, it does take a little bit of time uh, to figure out all the different functions and features, but I've gone through that. It's about a 10-minute video. So to watch that, uh, we're going to have it on the homepage of worldsoccertalk.com on Thursday night, but also you can get it uh, on YouTube. So if you go to youtube.com slash World Soccer Talk, you will see the video there on that on that homepage, um, step-by-step instructions on ESPN's multicast, which will rock your world. It'll change the way that you uh, probably experience soccer, at least, at least for some of us. Now, in two other pieces of news, uh, real quickly, uh, the Bundesliga has announced, uh, Christian Seifert, the uh, CEO of the Bundesliga and the DFB, has said that uh, the Bundesliga is not expecting any fans back until next season. So in the German league, usually the the new season begins in late August. Um, So that is a, a pretty profound statement because you look at other leagues, Major League Soccer is probably the best example, and Major League Soccer uh, has got to be looking at that, thinking, okay, well, the Bundesliga says definitely not until next season. Don't don't think about uh, fans in the stadium this season. Major League Soccer and other leagues uh, have to consider whether to follow through on that. I I I, I don't think they will. Um, but just just one one thing to note to be able to keep an eye on this one because this this could be a, a very interesting story. Last but not least, uh, CBS All Access has announced, as we've talked about on this podcast, uh, the official n- name of the app is going to be changed and rebranded to Paramount+. Plus. Well, now we have a, a release date. So March 4th is going to be the, the launch date for uh, Paramount+, Plus, which will include the Champions League, Europa League, NWSL, and a ton of co- uh, content and coverage. Uh, Stephen King's The Stand series is on there, which is really good. I'm, I'm watching that right now. Um, and uh, just one week after Paramount Plus launches officially, it's going to be PSG against Barcelona. So I'm sure that game is going to be featured really prominently there on Paramount Plus. Moving on to listener mailbag. First up is Jeremy. Jeremy says, is there any news about when or if Peacock will be uh, available native, uh, natively on the Amazon Fire Stick? as opposed to using the downloader app. 
Also, whether it will be available on a Samsung smart TV. Uh, surprising that when CBS, Disney, Hulu, etc. are all, all available, that Peacock is not. Great podcast. So in answer to that question, um, yeah, nothing. We, we haven't heard anything. I'm sure that um, Peacock, uh, which is NBC Universal, is continuing to have discussions with Amazon and Samsung about trying to get the, uh, the Peacock app officially on there. Which reminds me too, I should do another video. And that other video is how, if you do have Amazon Fire TV Stick, how you can go ahead and sideload the uh, Peacock app onto that device so you can still watch Peacock and all the Premier League games. But that, that'll be another video I'll probably do in the coming weeks. Second, uh, next up in the uh, mailbag is JP. JP says, uh, thank you for both uh well actually i i he says uh, thank you for the podcast i, th- I think you've been uh, too much pessimist uh, too pessimistic about eventual fan behavior when things get back to normal watching games on television has given fans a better vantage point and information for many years especially since the wide scale availability of of hd that isn't the prim- primary reason fans attend though it's about the atmosphere, the camaraderie with fellow supporters being part of the action That's uh, in some small way, whether it's chants, taunts, distracting noises, etc. The shutdowns and isolation are, created, uh, are creating pent-up demand for these shared experiences. When these events uh, become open for people to attend once again, they will rush back to enjoy the game and enjoy the time with the masses and their friends not a permanent 15% drop or so in attendance as you speculate. Kartik, what do you think? Uh, do you think people are going to rush back? I don't, but someone else articulated... Uh, I did it right to the listener mailbag, but, but talked to me individually, articulated the same exact point of view, that there's a lot of pent-up demand and people do it for the camaraderie. The people who are more uh, geeky about the sport, he argued to me, or have been watching on television pre-pandemic anyway uh, uh, for some of the same reasons you articulated last week right that you get better angles you get to see you get to see more and kind of process more of what's going on in the games and you're watching back-to-back matches so if you go to one match you, you don't get to see the next type of thing so uh yeah i guess it's possible i, I just feel like that there's a lot of people who uh are going to be more germophobic among other things uh post-pandemic and that may not be – look, when you're talking about 100% of uh, of a pie and you're saying 10 or 15%, that's not very much, although that is enough to affect bottom lines. Yeah, I don't think that there will be a rush back. I mean there are games already that uh, are open to the public that uh, public can, can attend. Uh, the U.S. women's national team game against Colombia is one example, the game that was on uh, Monday on FS1. If you looked at the crowds – um, very few spectators in the stadium, uh, although it was open. Uh, Friday's game, U.S. Women's National Team against Colombia again in the, in the second of these friendlies. It's a Friday night. It's in Orlando. Um, I think, especially in Florida, you mean pretty much a lot of people have thrown kind of COVID nineteen out the window and just carry on carrying on with their lives as they were before. But I think when you see the crowd on Friday, I'm, I'm not expecting it to be a large crowd at all. I'm expecting it to be the same really sporadic uh, fans spread out. So um, I, we're not seeing it yet, and I, I don't think we're going to see that rush back. I still think that uh, for the most part, most people are going to probably – some of the people that used to go 
are not going to go. Some of the people that that uh, did go will go, but maybe not as much as they used to. Um, yes, you will have some people that will go probably just as much as they did in the past, but I think that's going to be a very small min- a minority. JP Manning says, I enjoy your pod. I'm curious about your thoughts on Sirius XM's FC channel. I've not heard uh, you guys... I mention it much. The channel has the big Premier League, UEFA and even World Cup games live, has prominent and classic pundits who have their own shows, such as Ray Hudson, Tommy Smith, Charlie Stilatano, Tony Miola, etc., covering the international and club games. MLS, uh, Jason Davis's show, seems very influential, gets seemingly everyone's guests, and the women's games, etc. And it's 24-7. Does FC get good ratings? What are your thoughts? So we don't know what the ratings are, and and it's um it's they're not shared publicly. But Kartik, um, what about you? What what what's your take on SiriusXM FC? I don't really uh, I don't I haven't spent much time thinking about. It. I mean I I've 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 been on shows. I like the content. I like hosts like Tony Miola and and, and Brian Dunseth, and I and I uh, obviously uh, Charlie Stoltano and others. Uh, but uh, I. Uh, I, I, I'm not. Uh, I'm a big podcast guy, right? So um, I listen to the Guardian, and, and now uh, Max Rushton's Guardian Pod. It's, it seems to be more than twice a week, right? They're, they're putting out these football weekly excellence all the time uh, between ESPN FC and all the pods that ESPN produces, right? Right. I listen to the Serie Awesome podcast with, with Matteo Benetti and the crew there, and I, I listen to uh, the Gavin Jules podcast because uh, you know I. I, I, you know, yeah, I can't get enough of Marcotti uh, for, for, for whatever reason. You know, the ESPN FC show each night isn't enough. So I guess I'm just not listening to Sirius FC, XM, XMFC, partly because of the availability of football podcasts coming from um, newspapers and broadcasters. That's the ir- irony. Right, I, I'm naming to you like all these ESPN podcasts. So I'm watching ESPN FC every day, as I think the listeners know. But I also now have uh, uh, gotten into these other podcasts. Uh, Caught Offside is another uh, ESPN produced podcast that I've been listening to. So uh, that that's what that that's kind of taken me away from listening to the radio. Yeah, I, I'm the same way too. I'm so I'm not a big fan of the uh, satellite radio. So for me, uh, when I do listen to the radio. There's so many other choices out there to listen to. So I don't listen to podcasts as much as you do, Kartik, but I will listen to talk sport uh, quite often now and again, especially when I'm in the car. And for me, talk sport fills that void as far as giving me, at times, interesting, sometimes thoughtful, sometimes just... uh, just just talk right it's it's just kind of background background noise where it's maybe not really that intellectual but it's interesting or it's funny or it's it's uh you I mean it fills the void but but before i give some of my other opinions i want to read the next uh comment and this is from coolio two foots and he says uh quality podcast like always but what are your two thoughts on listening to matches on radio it might sound crazy but i find listening to matches more of a pleasure now um these days over watching on television enjoying it so much that i can watch peacock but instead decide to listen to talk sport and five live part of why i enjoy i enjoy it is because of the great commentary with great banter plus another great benefit is it frees me up to be active instead of stationary years ago i thought radio was dead until recently and now i realize it still really has its place and and that's my biggest criticism about uh, sirius xm fc um 
with uh, JP Manning talking about how um, it has World Cup games, it has uh, other, other coverage of, of other uh, live games. The issue with that is the commentary is so poor. So for the World Cup, the most recent World Cup, uh, Fox went ahead and provided the uh, commentary to uh, SiriusXM Radio. But instead of having their own radio commentators, what they did was they just took John Strong and his television uh, broadcast of, of uh, the game and put that on radio. Well, it's two different mediums. Uh, John Strong, his style of commentary oftentimes is when a goal is scored, he goes quiet. He doesn't say anything. He just lets the crowd noise take over. Now, if you're a radio, radio listener and you're in traffic and you hear, I don't know, uh, a player c- coming up, you know, Paul Pogba getting ready to take a shot, does the ball go in the back of the net or not? You can't see it, but you listen to the radio waiting and hoping that you get some analysis and some color description of what's happening. With the television broadcasts that are put on radio uh, on Sirius XMFC, not all of them, but, but you don't get that. And, and that's my thing is that uh, radio commentary is fantastic if it's well done. Not all of them are well done. Talk sports, I'm a bit hit and hit and miss. Sometimes it's really good. Other times it's really poor. Uh, BBC Radio 5 Live oftentimes is good, um, although not always. It depends who's doing the radio commentary. Uh, people like JP Della Camera and Arlo White were brought up on radio. They started their careers um, in soccer commentating on radio. So they are very more talkative when they're on television. It's a different style. It doesn't work on television as well as it does on radio, which is why that some of us, myself included, have some criticism where we're like, they talk too much. They, they need to let uh, kind of the, the, the pictures do the talking a little bit. So overall, SiriusXMFC, it's, it's a, you know, a valuable service in terms of uh, if you do have satellite radio and you're at work or on the go or you mean uh, whatever you're doing, uh, it has its purpose. It has, it has a good fit. It just is not a fit for me. All right. Next up is Bill Reese. Bill, Bill says, I watched the Liga MX match between Nacaxa and uh, San Luis last Friday. Local authority, authorities allowed fans to attend the match up to 30% capacity. It was a boring match, but midway through the first half, I couldn't tell if the audio I was hearing was from the limited number of fans in the stadium or if that was supplemented by artificial crowd noise. Going forward, uh, Chris and Kartik, do you think that uh, artificial crowd noise will be here to stay even after the pandemic is over? Now that COVID has let the cat out of the bag, why wouldn't broadcasters use every uh, trick in the book to create the most captivating broadcast possible? What do you think, Kartik? I think yes. I, in fact, uh, thank you, Bill, for that, that comment. I've been thinking that myself uh, privately, and actually it was it was uh, have been hankering to mention it on the show when uh, we've talked about the artificial crowd nice being pumped in and when last week you mentioned some match I can't remember which match it was where, where that had happened uh, and, and you thought it enhanced broadcast and I think that this is something that we're gonna we're gonna see uh, more of or we're gonna see uh, Mike's play strategically uh, uh, more strategically in terms of capturing whatever crowd noise there is natural noise and amplifying it so I think yeah in short yes. Yeah, we saw this week uh, the U.S. women's national team game against Colombia, which we mentioned was on FS1 and had had fans in the stadium. It wasn't a large number of fans, 
but that coverage of that game had artificial crowd noise. So you're listening to the broadcast and you're seeing, um, you mean, goals going flying into the net and seeing the US women w- winning 4 nothing, and you hear the sound of the crowd. And you think, I mean, if, if you didn't pay attention to it, you probably think, okay, wow, this is great. This is wonderful. You may not even th- think about it. But the reality is, is that th- that noise wasn't there. That noise was art- artificially created. Yes, there's probably a round of applause and a few cheers when the, go- the the ball goes in the back of the net from that small crowd. But even when th- with crowds, um, even when fans come back, like like Bill says, I think we're, I think it's here to stay. I think we will not only see artificial crowd noise being used to really boost the audio uh, from the crowd. But we might even see some of the things that uh, that um, MLS did with the uh, the digital, almost augmented reality. I think we've we've seen you mean Serie A use a little bit more of that than in the past, and I think they, they're copying from Major League Soccer with what they did with MLS's back. Uh, there was a game recently I watched too where they had MLS's back was uh, had that big Adidas soccer ball in um, basically on the halfway line in the center circle. There was another league I was watching this past week that did the same thing. I'm like, oh, okay, they're, they're probably copying from Major League Soccer. Um, having said that, though, Kartik, I did watch Wolfsburg against Leipzig this past weekend on the Bundesliga on ESPN+. And they had no artificial crowd noise. It was just the natural sounds. It was just the players talking, communicating, the sound of the ball, uh, kind of the echo. And I thought that was interesting, too, because... Um, that's at the other extreme where, where it is authentic. It's 100% natural audio, but it wasn't as, as exciting. It, it uh, made the game sound and feel a little bit boring. So, so yeah, Bill, I, I definitely think that this is here to stay and we'll see more and more of this, especially if it's uh, a stadium that's half half full or half empty, that they'll probably go ahead and boost the audio. But I think on the digital side too, I think we might be seeing more things in the background so rather than having sections topped off you will probably have them like mls is back um it topped off digitally and then like an actual ad placed there so uh, we can thank mls for that (laughs) all right next up is dave roberts dave says uh earlier when i was at a gas station that little TV installed in the pump showed us a 15-second promo of top, ge- uh, top goals in La Liga. I was really uh, pleasantly surprised, especially because it was not part of a prepared news show. The credit on the promo said it was made by La Liga. Just wanted to share. And this is something that I think that uh, La Liga North America, which is a partnership uh, with uh, Relevant Sports, uh, they went ahead, I believe, and secured this deal so that... Um, in random gas stations nationwide, you will see clips of uh, La Liga goals and, and other La Liga uh, broadcasts. So there you go. Last but not least, uh, Chris uh, Guardino says, when it comes to watching games on TV versus in person, I would say in person is better because I can, I can experience the atmosphere in real time and I can share the experience with other, others in the stadium, something that isn't really possible when I'm watching a game on TV unless I have, happen to be at a bar or watch or watch party with others, especially during the World Cup and the Euros. It should be pointed out that the majority of games I have attended are MLS games, which have a reputation for being a dull atmosphere. But I live in Seattle, where the atmosphere is comparable to that of a Premier League or Bundesliga match. I would love uh, once in, once the pandemic is over to head to Germany 
or England and watch either Chelsea or Dortmund play so that I can compare those environments to what I experienced at Sounders matches. Before I go, I have one question for Chris. Do you think CBS will use Nickelodeon to broadcast Champions League matches the same way they did with the Bears-Saints NFL playoff game this past week as a way of drawing younger fans to the Champions League? It's funny, too, because the uh, the person that's in charge of production for the Champions League, uh, Pete Radovich Jr., who we've interviewed on this podcast, uh, that night when that happened on um, on Nickelodeon with the NFL, he was, I think, tweeting some things out saying, kind of just joking. Oh, actually, maybe it was the day, the day afterwards when the, the TV ratings came in for that game, which were sky high, kind of like... Uh, joking i think uh that uh, wouldn't this be great for the champions league but uh i don't see that happening i think i think we would be rioting in the streets we would have our pitchforks out we would be crying holy hell i think nfl it's probably fits better uh i think it'd be more um acceptable but for soccer fans i think we would be absolutely outraged if that happens what do you think Kartik? nickelodeon in the future for you I think it's a decent idea. I'd try it because, look, a lot of these people who watch the Champions League are hooked on the Champions League by playing the FIFA video game. So there's already kind of a cartoonish aspect to that. Uh, I actually think it might be a pretty natural fit. Soccer fans tend to <laughs> demographically tend to be younger. But imagine, imagine, imagine the English fans, though. I mean, they, they make fun uh, of... Yeah, no, I mean, the traditional British fans, no. They'll, <laughs> they'll mock it and they'll mock the U.S. forever for showing it. We would never hear the end of it. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, right. So, but but if you could take uh, take the the critiques of of of, of, uh, of the British purists in terms of how uh, I mean, but they're the same people. I said that maybe for them the two DNA commentary isn't very. They don't like it because it's 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 too excitable. Um, if you take that out of it, I think it would actually be a. a, a a pretty good idea. I would uh, encourage CBS uh, and uh, no <laughs> and the team over there to to uh, to maybe try it. No, no, no! Don't, don't, don't listen to Kartik. No, I'm just joking. But but yeah, it's um, I, I'm I'm sure it's something. I'm sure they've had a conversation about it and probably joked about it and thought like, hey, why why not? Um, I don't know. I I, I just see uh, too much uh, bad press from that one. But uh, maybe it's just me. All right, we want you to have your say. Get your opinions in on our uh, rankings, uh, what you thought of it, as as well as Nickelodeon and the Champions League and uh, anything else that we've brought up on the show, as well as anything else you'd like to talk about when it comes to TV broadcasts or uh, streaming broadcasts of soccer and the beautiful game in the United States. We'd love to hear from you. You can always reach us via email through web at worldsoccertalk.com as well as facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk and on Twitter at worldsoccertalk. Plus, of course, you can always post your comments on worldsoccertalk.com. And Kartik, uh, let's finish it here. We've had uh, a big episode this one, uh, a lot of football to look forward to this weekend from around the world, and uh, the title races are heating up. So for listeners who are tuning in and wondering what to do and what you'll do, um, what should they do? Enjoy your football.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code GLOW.